0: You're listening to the Run with the herd podcast powered up by Herd nation a member of the rivals network for the latest information news and stories on marshall university athletics check out the running with the herd podcast
1: right sideline across midfield. Keaton gets a block. Here he goes. 30, 20, 10 to lead Keaton all the way. Touchdown Thundering Herd. DeWeaver takes the snap. Backs up inside the five. Flushed out of the pocket. Hodge wraps him up and sacks him. Third sack of the day. Third sack of the half for Darius Hodge. Green fields the football. Rolls left. Throws deep downfield for Gaines. He makes the catch. Left sideline 15 and cuts right. Xavier Gaines across the 10. Angles over the five. He's fighting for the goal line. He dives into the end zone. Touchdown Herd and Marshall takes the lead to give the Knox. goes right has the first down breaks the tackle over the 10 and 5 brendan Knox drags an owl over the goal line he's in touchdown herd marshall takes the lead with 36 seconds to play brendan Knox on a 17 yard run and what a run it was
0: without further ado the running with the herd podcast Another episode here of the Running with the Herd podcast, powered up by Herd Nation, a part of the Rivals Network. And we're here with David Hall of the Virginian Pilot, um, covers ODU, uh, both uh, football as well as uh, other sports as well. David, welcome to the podcast, sir.
2: Thank you very much. Nice to be here.
0: Absolutely. And uh, you had a very interesting article um, that came out in the Virginian pilot uh, May the 8th, um, when you talked to uh, ODUAD Wood Sealing, and uh, you talked a little bit about major changes coming to Conference USA. Let's start there. Um, what was that conversation with Mr. Sealing like, um, and what did you gather about what changes could be coming down the pike in Conference USA?
2: Well, uh, to, to, to be uh, specific, he's – Dr. Selig. Uh, Dr. Seelig is on uh, a CUSA committee called the Future Planning Committee. Okay. He's one, of, he's one of five ADs who are on it. It's a seven-person committee. The other two are a senior women's administrator and a faculty athletic representative. And they've been meeting for six or seven weeks now um, to discuss ways to, to save for, for each program in the conference to save money and as well as uh, ways for the conference itself to save money, and so uh, some of the scenarios were were rather, uh, you know, a, a little revolutionary, I guess, is a good word for it. Because as Dr. Selig said, everything is on the table.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That to me, to me, that was the big quote from that, from that conversation. They are, they are discussing absolutely every possibility they have discussed. They actually concluded these meetings on Tuesday. And so their recommendations have gone to the league's ADs. And among the ideas they had were what he called a conference consortium, where they would partner with uh, other conferences that are geographically sensible. And instead of... ODU, for example, flying to UTEP all the way, almost all the way across the country, they might drive down to East Carolina, which is in the American Athletic Conference. And that may or may not count as a conference game. So that's just one example of how they're really thinking outside the box and exploring every possible uh, alternative to all this travel. And they're also looking at a lot, much fewer um, uh, road, road games, traditional road games, fewer plane trips, more bus rides, just trying to cut costs whenever they can, even maybe altering some of the championship formats. Be Whether, for example, 12 of the 14 CUSA teams go to the basketball tournament. Well, they, it might be ten now. It might be eight.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: It and they might condense it by a day. They might change the location. You know, now it's in in Texas, and that doesn't work so well for many of the of the teams. It might be a more centralized location. So they've looked at just about every scenario they could, they could come up
0: with. Yeah, it sounds like they have. And uh, uh, one of the things, uh, David, that stood out to me when reading your article was the fact of uh, the scheduling alliances, the consortiums that um, were talked about by Dr. Seelig, in which um, teams could uh, play against uh, leagues such as the Sun Belt, the A-10, the American, like you talked about in your example. Um, as a uh, as a writer, as uh, someone who covers ODU, uh, do you think that that would be um, not only a more uh, fiscally responsible solution for not only the athletics program, but also uh, for logistics, when you talk about the the writers, the everyone that covers these teams, like for example, I cover Marshall uh, from a distance, even though I'm living in Ohio. Um, you know, I think that personally that it would be something that would um, not only benefit, the schools and the athletic programs, but everybody involved. What are, What are your thoughts on that?
2: Oh, there's no question. I mean, that, that's, that's the idea. That's the whole impetus for all this. I mean, the, the ODU, to ODU's credit, this school was much further ahead of this virus situation than pretty much anybody in the country, and it was a little bit serendipitous because they had commissioned a an independent study of the athletic program to look at ways of saving money and and what they ought to do to be fiscally responsible. Mm-hmm. And um, among those recommendations was the the dropping of the wrestling program, which happened in early April. Right. And and it was a sixty three year old program, so it, it was not uh, it, it was not met well locally, especially. Because the wrestling community is pretty active here. Um, But. It's. Yeah, I think I think it's they almost had every conference is going to have to do this.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely.
2: And, And that's, you know, of course, you have the power five conferences where they just print money. That's a whole different deal. But there's power five and then there's everybody else and everybody else is. It is absolutely scrambling to, to come up with ideas like this. And ODU commissioned this study just late enough that the, the uh, COVID-19 factored into it. So it was actually, it was factored into all the recommendations within this, uh, this study. So that's how ODU got so far ahead. And I believe ODU was the first uh, school to drop a program and now they were, starting were. to see it. yeah we're starting to see that around the country
0: yeah uh earlier today in fact um the university of akron dropped uh men's golf they dropped men's cross country and women's tennis and uh oh. yeah and uh um odu was the first school to drop a sport cincinnati followed by dropping men's soccer um obviously akron dropped the three sports today I don't know um what other uh sports in De- oh Florida International dropped uh men's indoor track and field. Yeah, so I mean this is coming all this is coming down and it's coming down hard especially for the group of 5 and um I tell you what though David um you know it's it's very interesting that uh um these talks have already started in um Virginia with Dr. Seelig and trying to get away or trying to get ahead of the game and everything. I know that uh Marshall uh Athletic Director Mike Hamrick has been involved with a lot of uh committees and uh planning organizations trying to uh um, make the most responsible decision for Marshall University. Um one of the questions that's been bandied about a lot on Twitter something that a lot of uh, Conference USA and Group of Five fans have really thought about was a possible split merger between the Conference USA East and the Sun Belt East. Um, For example, uh, ODU and Marshall are in the Conference USA East and the other teams that are associated with them uh, would play teams from the Sun Belt and the Sun Belt East like Appalachian State, uh, Troy, Georgia Southern, etc., what, what would you think of an idea such as that for football or maybe even basketball and in some of the other sports as well? What would you say if, if that were to be um, something that was uh, discussed in these meetings and possibly executed in the years to come?
2: Well, I think there's no doubt that, that things like that are going to happen. Um, th- that's Again, that's, that's part of the whole consortium discussion. There is, there's no way under uh, the way things are and the way, the way we're headed, excuse me, there's no way that it's going to be feasible or viable for a school like Old Dominion or Marshall to fly a women's tennis team to UTEP or to fly a men's soccer team to Seattle for a tournament. Or You know, the things that, that have just been going on for years and years. I mean, when you look at the fact that the NCAA basketball tournament was canceled, that was, I forget the number, I think it was close to $700 million that was, that was expected to be generated. No, I'm sorry, $867 million. I just found it. Um, and 60% of that was to be divided among NCAA member institutions. And that money did not come this year. And every athletic budget was made with that in mind. With that money coming in, and now that it it didn't come in, well, I've got sirens. Um, There is is a giant hole that is unfilled when it comes to, to athletic revenue. And if you start thinking about the possibility of football season being lost, which I think is quite real, uh, then you're talking about even more money not coming in. Mm -hmm. So everything, again, everything is on the table. And I think that's, and I, Dr. Selig is not the only administrator to have used almost that exact phrase. I've read that elsewhere from all over the country. People are thinking that way. And I, to their credit, I mean, I think, I think they have to think that way.
0: Yeah, they certainly do. I mean, you know, this, this coronavirus has really altered life as we know it. I mean, you know, yeah. not just in athletics, collegiately, <laughs> but in every facet of our everyday life. And I, I have not had on pants in a month. <laughs> i've worn sweatpants every day david to be real i've worn sweatpants every single day except for times where we had my wife and my son and i um, had to go somewhere that didn't require um, sweatpants and one of those days was mother's day so i mean okay yeah so i mean it's pretty much been jogging pants every day i mean, <laughs> but uh yeah it's it's been it's been absolutely crazy but uh um uh, that was going to be my next question here david uh percentage wise 60 40 70 30 90 10 whatever do we have a football season that starts on time this year
2: hmm. i would say there is a and i you know i'm no expert exactly but <laughs> I do have probably more insight than most people. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, I would say there's a good solid 65% chance are not going to be a, a, an on-time start because you look at the preseason process, everybody seems to think it would take about six weeks of preparation to get a team ready uh, in, in terms of installing schemes and especially in ODU's case where they have a first year coach in Ricky Ronnie. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Can you imagine being a first year coach and having just limited contact over the summer in the weight room, no spring ball there. They are trying to implement schemes via, via zoom and text messages and phone calls and, FaceTime and uh, it, it's just it's just untenable, really.
0: Right. So I, I just <clears throat> plus we don't know.
2: I, I mean, I I personally think basketball season might be in danger at this point because ba- you know basketball start those teams start getting together in late October. hmm mm-hmm. And we, I have said for two months. And again, I'm no medical doctor. I can barely make a fist, quite frankly um, <laughs> but the, I'm hearing you know that there could be a vaccine by the fall, and I've said for two months that the only way out of this situation is a vaccine
0: yep, yep, that's exactly what my dad that's exactly what my dad said he's sixty eight years old he's in that high risk category with like diabetes and Uh, hypertension and that sort of thing and he's not going hardly anywhere okay david he's not going it good yeah exactly and it's just one of those things where he's just like aaron your whole everything's gonna be on hold stuff's gonna be altered in whatever way whatever phrase you want to use until they get a vaccine and i'm i'm probably in that group too david i'm saying there's gonna be a 60 to 70% chance this collegiate football season does not start on time.
2: And there's maybe even a 50% chance it doesn't happen at all.
0: Right. <laughs> because as Dr. Seleck said, you know what what happens if
2: even if you take every precaution like the Miami Dolphins, he cited what they're doing with the uh, limited fans in in the stadium and social distancing and timed entrances and temperature checks and, you know, every precaution you could take. What happens if you get a season going and two or three players on the team come down with the virus and that's, that doesn't have to be contracted at practice. That can right. certainly be contracted at the grocery store.
0: Oh yeah, or, you know wherever they go in their lives, mm-hmm. and then and then they're bringing it into the team cafeteria and into you know it's contact drills. What what happens then? Right, right. So it, it's just it would, and Doctor
2: Selig said, and I w- wrote this in the story that it's a the worst case scenario would be just a false starts or um, stop and go kind of schedule where. Yeah, we played we play two games, but, uh, well, now we've got some people who are positive, so we're going to shut it down for two weeks and quarantine those people and then restart the season. I mean, that just wouldn't work.
0: Right, exactly. I mean, you think about, like, other communicable diseases, and like I said, I mean, neither one of us are doctors here, but, I mean, mm-hmm. you think about, like, other contractable diseases like staph infections and the flu and things like that. I mean... David, you've been in locker rooms covering stories before. I mean, you've been in office buildings before. I have I've done both myself. I mean, those things are easily spread and easily um contagious. Just think about what this could do to a to a locker room, to a uh to any sort of um you know, team environment or situation if even just one person gets it.
2: Absolutely. And it's it's fun. The only, the only sports, the only remotely live-ish sports to watch now is it's Korean baseball, and I watch that sometimes simply because baseball being such a small world, and I cover the tri- AAA team here.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: There are yeah. guys I know playing in that league, so it's I have a little bit of interest in it. And I cringe a little bit when I see somebody make a mound visit, and they don't even have fans in there. But it, so, yeah, they're testing every day, the, all these players and staffers. But what happens when they get a positive? Do they does that team shut it down for a couple of weeks? I mean, what, how how is this going to go? Even in the in the major leagues, if they. Resume in some form. Um, it, how how are you? How are you going to prevent the locker room from being infected? So it's uh, it, it, look again. Nobody's looking for medical advice from a sports writer, right? But, and I'm not trying to give it. Uh huh. But I just I can't. This this is not something that can be wished away. It's not something where we can go okay, let's just get back to life. (laughs) And it seems that's where we're headed. And uh, make of that what you will, but I I just, I I don't think it's the right thing.
0: Right. And And it looks like, yeah, I'm reading here on your uh, website that the uh, state of Virginia is going to beginning its reopening phase starting uh, Friday. And, uh, you know, there's probably a plan in place from the medical experts and um the higher ups in government and that sort of thing but yeah i mean like you said i mean it's not something that you could wish away it's not something that you could just you know just ride it out and see what happens i mean no you got to get a vaccine you have to uh test it retest it everything else just just like you do with you know radio equipment and podcasting equipment in my case you have to test it sometimes Uh retest it you know all that kind of thing and uh you know, you have to make sure that it works before you, uh, you know, put something out there. And, uh, you know, that's, that's exactly what we're dealing with here. Now, um, my question to you is though, David, um, when is the timeline again, for those folks who may not know of the conference USA meetings with the ADs, including, uh, Dr. Selig, including Mike Hamrick, including, um, commissioner McLeod and everyone to, uh, Talk about some of these ideas and some of these um, initiatives that have been set forth. Uh, I believe that's sometime
2: this summer, um, and that obviously will happen via Zoom. Uh, there, there are every. That's another initiative they they've looked at. Uh, once things do return to quote unquote normal. That's another way they're looking at saving money because they found that as they've met virtually, it's worked just fine. They have been able to communicate and
1: there's no reason for
2: using those meetings as an example. There's no reason to fly everybody to a location and get together for a week when they can all just do it virtually. Right. That's, 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 that's one of the ways they're looking at saving money for the conference itself. Um, but yeah, the meetings will occur and part of the committee that Dr. Seeley is on, on it, 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 all this was done leading up to those meetings. So it'll go from that committee to the ADs to the uh, league, uh, university president's. And at the meetings, they will kind of mull all that over and and come up with firm recommendations and guidelines for how to move forward. Okay. So, so the meeting, the meetings will happen, I believe, in June. And okay. uh, the, after that, we should know more.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'll probably do a uh, follow-up piece with you in June, if you don't mind. Um, Just like sure. kind of as a, you know you know, what, what happens next kind of deal. But yeah, I mean, you know, um, it'll be interesting to see what moves forward though, David, in terms of, um, they're, they're able to have these meetings virtually. They're able to do these things. What happens to media days from now? I mean, I know that, I know that for right now, a lot of the conferences have had, uh, announced that they're going to help hold virtual media days. Um, For football if there is a football season Um, what do you think is going to be the case in years to come do you see uh, people going um, out to Frisco Texas out to Detroit Michigan New Orleans Louisiana uh, Indianapolis Indiana Uh, those are some of the places where the headquarters of some of these conferences are do you see them being a tra- there being a traditional media day like there has been in the past, where all representatives from um, all the teams, the universities, and the writers and um, media who cover them, will they be at these events? If if they exist, the answer is eventually, uh,
2: but I don't think, and certainly not this year. Probably not next year. Uh, one of the most telling. Things that Dr. Steele said to me, and I put this in that story, was that he he's telling his staff that this could be a three-year situation, meaning in as he said in this coming year, it's going to be quote excruciatingly painful and difficult, and then next year in 2122, they hope to be sort of climbing back, and then. 22-23 Twenty two, twenty three, in the third year that's when he hopes that things will get back to the way they were before and his hope is that they will have made enough good decisions during this time that they would rebound even stronger three years from now so maybe maybe three years after this it would return to that kind of situation or they might discover that you know what we can save a ton of money everybody can save a ton of money from the schools to the conference to to the media outlets if they just put together a zoom thing and okay here's here's the coach from uh rice and two players and we just ask them questions that way and frankly why not why not i mean it the media day thing is. Rather archaic, if you really think about it.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've been to enough sure. of them, and I've been to enough uh, of yeah. them. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, prior to uh, getting in podcasting, and I'm currently in uh, ed- in the education field right now, David, um, I was a uh, radio reporter and uh, a uh, producer for uh, 13 years in uh, the Akron market. So... Mm. Yeah, so I've I've been to enough media days. I've been to you know you know for all of our professional sports teams here in town. I've uh, you know covered Mac media days. So yeah, I mean I I definitely know what you mean there. Um, I I could easily see something here in the next uh, couple years where during conference USA media days, like okay, you know Old Dominion's up next. We'll have our new coach and two players. You know, Marshall's up next, you know, Coach Doc Holliday and a couple of his players, um, uh-huh. and so on and so on and so on. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that I could see maybe lasting at least longer than a couple of years. Who knows?
2: Yeah, it could be permanent. And as media outlets continue to get smaller uh, that and and travel budgets are cut, uh, they, th- it, that could make a lot of sense because, uh, again, why not? We have the technology. The, the people used to get together in those situations because that was the only way to talk to these people. And, uh, of course, it's much nicer to sit down on a table and have a conversation with somebody. And it's you get a lot more from it than you will in a group interview setting. But uh, the, if if that can save all these entities money
0: then why not why not david hall our guest here in the uh running with the herd podcast powered up by herd nation part of the rivals network uh you could read a uh, david's story at the uh, on the virginian pilot online you could follow him on twitter at david hall vp uh he has a link to the story up there david thanks very much for joining us we certainly appreciate it and uh I'll uh, get a hold of you again in June and we'll do a little bit of a follow-up to this story and uh, we'll see what goes on from there. Thanks a lot.
2: Thank you. I really
0: appreciate it. Take care and stay safe. Music credits for the intro go to Jonathan, the producer. Jonathan Walsh wrote it and produced it in conjunction with Savage Multimedia Group. Game audio is credited to Steve Cotton, Marshall University, and Learfield IMG College. Thanks for listening to the Running with the Herd podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at rwiththeherd and also at Herd Nation. Also like us on Facebook at Running with the Herd and at Marshall Thundering herd at Herd Nation. Thanks again, and go Herd!